Coming up next on the Passionately Married podcast. This person is performing at being a good partner, Mm -hmm. right? And so their fiancé or their spouse is never really sure that what they're saying is actually what they mean. Because it seems like this person is never really letting them in, that they're always going along with things. And who... A lot of people think, who who wouldn't want somebody who's going to be whatever you want them to be? Uh, Somebody who wants actual intimacy and vulnerability. So, Pam, this is one of those uh, episodes to me that I think about that just hits really close to home. Does it? A lot of times, just thinking of the journey of of how I have evolved, who I am, uh, socialized. Yeah. Nurtured, you know, <laughs> a lot of a lot of aspects. Oh, I, I can see it too. I think there's going to be a lot of people this strikes home with. Yeah. I, I really do. Yeah. And so uh, this Welcome to pa- Passionately Married, where we're trying to have honest, straightforward conversations that allow conversations to take place in your home about whatever situations you might be facing or uh, just conversations that need to be had. Because if you're the type of person that... Uh, Find yourself really trying to avoid conflict. Uh, pay attention today, yeah, because this can be a great conversation um, to help frame a little bit about what what may be behind that. What's going on? It's so great because Natalie Liu is the guest today. Mm-hmm. She wrote a book, "The Joy of Saying No." She's an artist and a writer, and has a blog um, that she's actually shutting down, but um, ah, okay. she's waiting to see what's kind of next. But there's yeah. a ton of information out there already. Uh, that's worth going to find, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll put all that in the show notes. But she she talks about the whole world of people pleasing. Pretty common, uh, very common, <laughs> and she even breaks it down into there's five different kinds. Which I love those. I mm-hmm. I'm, I've already nailed mine to say, oh, that one's me. <laughs> that one's me. Maybe I'll show there later. Yeah, well, maybe you should because um, I share mine of mm-hmm. of where where I would land for sure. Um, and so the conversation we get to have with her is a great one. And if we leave something undone, we want you to let us know. Uh, Send us an email at feedback at passionatelymarried.net or call us or text at 214-702-9565. So coming up today on the regular version is the conversation about people-pleasing with Natalie Liu. And then the extended content today, which is deeper, longer, and there are no ads, subscribe at passionatelymarried.net forward slash academy. We go into a deeper conversation about some of the characteristics between male and female and how the people-pleasing can play out, as well as some of the personal side of things, mm, of how it's played out with her, how it's played out with me. Mm-hmm. So all that's coming up right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Mm. And so, Pam, you may be wondering, what exactly is HelloFresh? Well, I'm not wondering because I know, but you can tell me anyway. <laughs> well, you get farm fresh, <laughs> pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. This helps you skip the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit and has been a part of our life for years. It has. We love it. And we love it. It is so easy. We all have times where we like maybe this New Year's we had a goal of Let's eat fresher. Let's eat at home more. And HelloFresh mm-hmm. makes that happen mm-hmm. because they deliver everything you need each week, already pre-portioned as far as from what they have as options. You pick the ones you want. You know, you say pre-portioned, but I mean, they're good-sized portions. We usually have leftovers, and they're ones that I'd love taking to work and eating for the next day or two, too. Absolutely. And HelloFresh has 40 weekly recipes to choose from, so you can say bye-bye to the recipe 
and treat yourself and your family to exciting new flavors because you just won't get in a rut. New no, things because they also adjust as the seasons go on. And for us, HelloFresh is a family affair. Mm-hmm. We all get involved to help make it happen. Chopping up the veggies and the potatoes and whatever it is. And it's particularly helpful during tax season because we can usually time it right when you're walking in the door. We're just wrapping it up and I here we go. I love that part. <laughs> the music is playing, the glass of wine is poured, and dinner is ready. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Passion65. Use our code Passion65 and you get 65% off plus free shipping. How about mm, that deal? That's nice. HelloFresh.com slash Passion65 using our code Passion65 gets you 65% off plus free shipping. Well, it is a pleasure to welcome Natalie Liu to the show today. And Natalie has a book. You've got a couple different books out, but the one I've got uh, is The Joy of Saying No. And I'm, I've, you're speaking my language right off the bat. If that's all I know <laughs> of you, then we're going to get along just fine. Because uh, I've always had the belief, Natalie, that no is a complete sentence in and of itself. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. So welcome to the show, Natalie. Oh, thank you for having me, Corey. I'm I'm curious, just from the the introduction I've had of you, and I want, and I'm excited to have the audience to get the introduction to you too. Of how did you wind up where this message is coming out now for you and kind of being a lot more refined, because I know this isn't just something of my, my hunch is that you didn't just wake up one day. So, you know what, let's talk about the whole process of saying no. I mean, so, so how, did, how did this come about with, with your journey? So I'm 45 now, but in my 20s, really up into my late 20s, I had terrible taste in romantic relationships I prided myself on being a good girl, and that meant trying to avoid conflict, overperforming at work, um, doing what my family wanted and expected, even when it meant going against myself and causing harm. And I found myself grappling with an immune system disease called sarcoidosis from, I think I was diagnosed with it when I was 26, I think it was. And so it's it was one of these mystery immune system diseases where your immune system effectively turns against you, starts mm-hmm. damaging you know healthy mm-hmm. organs, and about I guess probably about eighteen or so months into it, after doing a year long course of steroids, I was told that basically the treatment hadn't worked, and it was at that point, uh, you know, my life was a hot mess you know, in many respects at that point, like outside looking in, people will be like, oh, well, she's cool and she's attractive and she's got a good job and she's doing really well in that job. Right. But I hated myself. And I, as I said, I had been, I was, I've been in, involved with a number of emotionally unavailable men, but I'd also been in some abusive relationships. And it occurred to me that I didn't really like myself very much. And that I had been so caught up in chasing romantic love and meeting everybody else's expectations that when doctors had said, yeah, just go on these steroids, do this, do that, I just obeyed. And here I was, and they were telling me that, you know, I had a pretty poor prognosis with this illness. And I was like, no, I'm not going on steroids for life. I'm going to explore all other options. 
and that was a uh, that was August 2005 and that was a big turning point in my life because I became really aware of how the relationship I had with myself and with my family just with life in and of itself really had something to do with why my life was so miserable and when I started okay. to create boundaries which was very unfamiliar territory so for me it was just like it was not just about saying no but it was also about just being clearer about who I was and what didn't didn't work for me mm-hmm. life started to turn around very quickly you know I I was declared in remission okay. within eight months of that shocking really? prognosis yeah um, I met my now husband. I went on to have kids. A lot of people would look at that and go, that's a happy ending, Nastly. It sounds to me like mm-hmm. you had this horrible illness. You thought you were going to die because that's what they were telling you was going to happen. You instead were in remission. You met your now husband and had kids, lived happily ever after. And <laughs> lots of good things have happened. But actually, what I realized was that this was just the beginning of me okay. having to figure out this whole boundaries thing. Because, you know, you get into a relationship and you you it can be very easy, you know, when you're in a relationship and then you go on to be married to sometimes lose sight of your own needs because you're trying to be a good partner, a good spouse, a good wife, good mm-hmm. husband, good something. But then there's motherhood and then there's working and there's working for yourself and there's dealing with your family and basically it's dealing with life. And time and time again, what I found is different things were reforcing me to confront my relationship with no, my relationship with boundaries and forcing me to be more honest about who I was, be more honest about my needs, expectations, desires, feelings and opinions. Mm-hmm. And So I talk about having been on this recovering people pleaser journey really for 17 and a half years now, I think it is. And in the joy of saying no, I share everything I've learned from being on that journey. Because I think a lot of us think that the answer to everything is to tick the boxes of success. So be in a relationship or get married or have kids or get the big job or the money. And we think that that is the solution, like that that says that we must be okay. But what we will find is that we can have all of those things or some of those things and we're still going to have to confront this people pleasing within us. Right. So that's that's like this element of because I've always thought that the world proposes this paint by numbers mantra. Yes. Right. That if if I if I follow this and fill it in right and I go through this hoop and I fill it in right, I'll have this beautiful picture. And mm-hmm. the 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 insidious thing of that is the beautiful picture is what other people perceive, but it's not what I experience, right? Yes. I, I love that you're saying this because it's <clears throat> okay. funny. I, I I like the the paint by numbers metaphor as well. And um right. uh, I, it's funny, I've so it's, you know, we, we're clearly kindred spirits and there is this sense of if you if you tick the societal boxes of what society has said makes a good person and what makes you happy and successful, then what's your problem? Like you're fine, right? Yeah. And, what are you, what are you complaining about? Yeah. What are you complaining about? And we all know that's that's just not true. And I think that as humans, <laughs> we find it so confusing and sometimes very painful when we appear to have the things that people said would make us happy. And yet we don't feel 
that way. There are many mm-hmm. people who are not passionately married, yeah? There are people who right. have been married to the wrong person who have been through divorce. Most of the time, those people did not go into that marriage planning for it to be a divorce, yeah? I say most of the time, because, oh, you know, yeah. there are some people who they knew where it was headed, but they thought it was going to, you know, lead to some big payoff yeah, or whatever. But for the majority of people, right. yeah. Majority of people, that's not where they thought they would be. But they thought that getting somebody and getting married was going to create this magical feeling inside them. Or they thought that once they were married, that whatever problems they'd had in a relationship would just poof, magically disappear <laughs> and everything would be okay right. uh, and and people feel confused by that because it's like well hold on a second i fought so hard to be in a relationship and then right. to be married so why do i feel so lost or sad or angry or why aren't i in in love anymore or why am i thinking about divorce and that's because this uh, this society as humans we're obsessed with good versus bad what it means to be successful and the fact of the matter is is that if you you climb up somebody else's ladder of success or you step into somebody else's mold of what it means to to be good or to be happy or to be successful it's not your mold it's not your ladder it's not your way it's not your journey and we are we have been taught you know, socialized and conditioned to follow the herd. A lot of people think that being a good person means doing what your family told you made you a good person. And so for a lot of people, they think, oh, well, that means being a good person means having a partner and being married. You know, basically right. having a really good job, having children, but that's not for everybody. It's for, for lots right. of people, but it's not for everybody. There's lots of people that it's not for. So... I want to get into this idea with you of the people pleaser that that you're Mm -hmm. alluding to, right? That, that it is because there is this component, I think of us as humans that we are, we are all in a develop. The way I frame this, Natalie, is we are all in the development of trying to become ourselves within context of a relationship too. Right. And, And going to one end or the other is not beneficial ever typically for the long run, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I can hold on to myself to the exclusion of everybody else. And I'm just as alone as if I lose myself for the sake of a relationship. And, and so yes, if, amen, if you amen. look at it, the way, the way you frame this is under the auspices of a people pleaser. Cause I know in your book, you even go through, there's different types mm-hmm. of people pleasing, if you will. And I want to, I want to unpack that if you would on just yeah. how did, because this is, this is clearly, uh, you and I are, <laughs> are well versed in this journey it sounds like <laughs> so so I'm, I'm i'm intrigued by the way you have categorized this yeah so uh, people pleasing is where we essentially deprioritize our needs expectations desires feelings and opinions to put everybody else's ahead of our own and mm-hmm. we do this by by playing roles, taking on jobs, personas within our interpersonal relationships. And we do it to gain attention, affection, approval, love, and validation. And we also do it to avoid conflict, criticism, additional stress, mm-hmm. disappointment, loss, and rejection. 
a lot of people misunderstand people pleasing. So they see it as this virtual, virtuous quality. Oh, I'm such a people pleaser. Right, right. I'm just such a right. people pleaser. And, you know, I'm kind, I'm generous, I'm such a people pleaser. But then others are like, oh, a people pleaser means doormat. And okay, uh-huh. there are some times when it, it can be up at the extreme end. But the fact of the matter is, and this is something I, I talk about in the book, that if you're not a child right now, then you were raised during the age of obedience. And that is where the communicating, interacting, disciplining of children centered on making them as obedient and compliant as possible with mm-hmm. authorities. So we've been socialized and conditioned into people pleasing. And we can have awareness that we're people pleasers. And some, and then other times we're like, I kind of have a feeling I might be because I have an issue with saying no and boundaries, but I, I'm not really quite sure. And so what I felt was really right. helpful was I kept seeing these patterns in people pleasing, you know, that some people's form of people pleasing had very, very clear drivers. And so those five styles of people pleasing are gooding, efforting, avoiding, saving and suffering and the names in and of themselves imply what that people pleasing involves being and looking good effort Mm -hmm. so you know being the best giving 100 percent perfectionism you know i have to be seen to have done the most um avoiding is using avoidance as a way to please others so it's like i will never do anything that will discomfort the other person so for instance within a a marriage that can be oh what what do you want to do tonight i like what you like you know never really Mm -hmm. voicing a a difference because it's like oh the way for me to be the perfect spouse is to go along with whatever they want and then when they don't like the outcome of it i can just blame them (laughs) for it and be like well you wanted this didn't you very convenient yes yeah very convenient and then there's there's saving and this is for the helpers fixers rescuers saviors of this world who their way of being pleasing is you know they can almost end up sometimes treating people like pet projects you know i'll take you on i'll try to fix you my way of pleasing will be you know mending you helping they will, you know, they'll step right. in and they're, they're the one to be super responsible in a situation, but they'll martyr themselves. And, and a part of them is, is, try, is trying to save others in a way to also save themselves. They've seen it as their job within the family to be pleasing by sacrificing themselves and being the one who always steps in. And then suffering, mm-hmm. it's almost like, well, I bleed for you. So I'll, I'll <laughs> suffer. And suffering makes me a really good person. So the more I suffer, the better I am. Right. And we, we'll have a, you know, we can find that we have dabbled in a, a few mm-hmm. of these, but there tends to be uh, tends to be one, maybe two in particular that jump out. Like I am an efforter. It's not that I've not dabbled in some of the others, but I am. I have been about effort. And so that's how I got Mm -hmm. myself into trouble previously, you know, for instance, with romantic relationships where it was like, well, I've been a good girl. I've been a good girlfriend. I've put in this effort. I've suffered. I've I've avoided boundaries. I am giving this my best and I'm trying my hardest. Mm -hmm. So why aren't I getting what I want? And I think that, you know, given the messages that we have received around romantic relationships and marriage, it's very easy to slip into people pleasing within a marriage if you're not too careful mm-hmm. because it's a, it's like, oh, like being a good wife or being a good husband, being a good spouse, it means like 
subjugating myself and not having any right. needs. And it's like, no, that is not the right. case at all. Right. I want to just distinguish a couple of things just because I think I, I, I'm tracking with you. But to anybody that might be listening to this, and this is a little bit of a foreign concept or because mm-hmm. we can ha- we can have a tendency Natalie, I know you can agree with me on this. I'm assuming of we can have a tendency of I hear what I want to hear to that goes in with the story that I tell myself, mm-hmm. right? So, um, but what we're talking about here is not your your message is not to the extreme of this is just demanding my way, getting my way. Absolutely it's, not. Forget the consequences. And it's all, so it's this continuum, right? Of just like, I can be kind and considerate and even pleasing to people without letting go of myself. That's the point is I can do it to where I'm not doing something to get something. I'm doing something to be engaged with me and my situation and my relationship. Amen. And I think that this is a really important point because I think as soon as we start having a conversation about no and boundaries that people, particularly when it comes to romantic relationships, can be quite defensive about that because they oh, think yeah. that unconditional love is not, for instance, having any boundaries and not saying no. Actually, that's not. Unconditional right. love is not, I will love you no matter what you do to me. It is, I will love you through <laughs> right. all, all seasons and conditions. And uh, here is how you differentiate people-pleasing from showing up in your relationship as your authentic self and wanting to be there for yourself and for your partner. There are people who do things for their partner in their, in their romantic relationships, in their marriage. I speak specifically to marriage. There are people who do things in their marriage because that's what they want to do. They are aware of their needs. They are aware of who they are. They're not Mm-hmm. doing it to to get something in return they're not doing it because they're afraid of what will happen if they don't they mm-hmm. when they recognize that something isn't quite a fit that they need to adjust in some way they can and they will and they are in that relationship with that person there's a mutual love care trust and respect in that marriage mm-hmm. we know it's people pleasing when we actually do those same things so we do stuff in the marriage, but we do it because we're afraid that if we don't do it, they're going to tell us to get the frick out. Uh, right. We do right. it because we are trying to cover up feelings of low self-worth. We do it because yeah. we see it as our job. Like, it's like, it's my job to do this. And the thing is, is that once we start saying, oh, this is my job, this is what a good whatever does, we're hiding actually from intimacy and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And the mistake that a lot of people make is seeing people pleasing as this really noble thing that they're doing. And I'm not saying that it makes you a bad person to show people pleaser because, hello, I'm a recovering one myself and we're all dealing with it to some degree. What I am saying yeah is that people-pleasing is like a mask or a costume. You're hiding behind a role. You're hiding behind pleasing. You're hiding around like, oh, I do this for you. And I'm just doing it for you Mm because I want to please you. But you're not acknowledging the uh, hidden agenda behind that. You're not acknowledging the why. And so it is okay to want to please your partner, but recognize where you're doing that just because it's 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 the byproduct of the relationship that you're in and how you each show up for each other. 
and where your why is about oh, I have to do this because I'm repeating the patterns of my parents or I have to do it because I'm afraid they're going to abandon me or there's going to be an argument because that's people-pleasing. No, this, this, is, this is so valuable because it's recognizing um, you're talking about a hidden agenda. I use the word covert, right? Yes. If I'm doing something and there's a covert motivation within it, that's where it starts to become precarious. And, yes, and the that slippery is exactly slope, right? Because that's, it, a, that's something pleasing. else I'm trying to control yep. or avoid or provide without actually me being the one doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, is that sometimes we have some level of awareness that we have, as, as you call it, this covert agenda where it's like, I'm trying to avoid conflict. I'm afraid that they're going to this. But sometimes it's that we're so habituated in playing out the pattern of being in this role because it's what we did when we were a kid within whatever environment that we grew up in. And it's maybe the thing that we have got praise for or that we've just got used to doing, Mm -hmm. that it's not necessarily that we have this conscious or even inadvertent agenda about our partner. It's just that we're on autopilot and we're not really showing up. Mm -hmm. We're just repeating patterns. And either way, it's still a problem because the only reason why you're doing that stuff is because there's a part of you on some level that has learned to be afraid of having boundaries and being your authentic self. Uh, You know, an example of this is I hear from people who they have been in a marriage, for instance, or being close to getting married. And the person has turned around and said, I just don't feel like I know you. And they are so confused about why this person is saying this. But the reason why their spouse or their fiance is saying this is because this person is performing at being a good partner mm-hmm. right and so that their their fiance or their spouse is never really sure that what they're saying is actually what they mean because it seems like this right. person is never really letting them in that they're always going along with things and who a lot of people think who who wouldn't want somebody who's going to be whatever you want them to be uh somebody who wants actual intimacy and vulnerability <laughs> in, in, in their relationships and marriage that's exactly somebody else who wants you to be a yes person and to have you under the thumb. It'd be very happy for you to do that. Right. But for somebody who wants to feel safe and secure in their relationship and to, to foster genuine intimacy, they're not going to want to marry somebody who's going to basically be whatever they want them to be instead of being themselves. Yeah. yeah. If, if, when we surround ourselves with yes, people like you're describing or just the mm-hmm. go along to get along or the pleaser to the extreme, there's mm-hmm. no pushback and life is best when there's some pushback. We don't like that fact, I think, because that means there is conflict, but yeah. it's the, it's where we get better. It's where we are, you know, we evolve, we grow, we mature, we develop better character. And that's what creates the energy of a relationship that can really be sustainable over the long haul. Absolutely. You know, uh, there's a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people who say, I've never had an argument. I've never had an argument, never had a disagreement with my spouse. And I always say, right. that's not a badge of honor. And right. there are people <laughs> don't, who, don't go touting that. Yeah, that's that's a that's 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 a badge of a problem. And one of the things that I I say is that conflict 
So that willingness to run the possibility, uh, the, the, you know, the risk of conflict is a form of intimacy. I'm not talking about conflict for conflict's sake, right? I'm talking mm -hmm. about that willingness that when the rubber hits the road and you need to express a difference of some sort, that you need to basically show yourself in some way that might not fit the general expectation that you're willing to go there. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will say, the reason why I didn't tell my spouse about what I was thinking or what I was feeling is because I didn't want to hurt their, their feelings. But from the moment that you, you start to avoid saying that stuff, you cut yourself off from intimacy. And that is more of a problem than if mm -hmm. you just turn around and said the thing. And I recognize it is, given how we're socialized and conditioned, I know it is not easy for us to do that. Some of us have seen things in our parents' marriages, for instance, that it's like, it's no wonder that we're terrified of conflict. Right. You know, right. my mom and my stepdad, it felt like I was living with Ike and Tina, you know, sometimes. So it is, it is no wonder, <laughs> but conflict is a, is a critical part. It's a critical component of intimacy. Mm -hmm. And if you say, I've never had an argument with my spouse, listen, nobody agrees with somebody all of the time. Somebody right. is right. lying, right? So somebody is right. getting their way at the expense of the other. Somebody is pretending that everything is always the same, that they never have any difference. And you're not getting right. down to the, to the real, the, 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 the intimacy right. of the relationship. Right. That's the relationship in name only. That's all that there is. There you go. Yeah. Right. It's, we're, we're, we're playing parts and it's in name only. I'm not really involved. <laughs> So, yeah, and, and, okay. and, and, and people are terrified of, of conflict because they see it as some people are like, oh, my gosh, conflict means that's the end of the relationship. Until you have said no, you've expressed limits, you've expressed, you know, your boundaries, as in your boundaries are who you are as a person. So it's not just about no, it's about yes. As, until you're truly showing them who you are and, and you're running the risk of conflict, you are, do not know this person as well as you think. And there right. are people who right. can go, be married for a long time. You know, I talk about the five stages of relationships and I talk about how intimacy is what determines where you are in a relationship, not a title. And there are people who've mm -hmm. been together for like decades and they have the level of intimacy of people who are in that first stages of a yeah. relationship because they never, right. they never go any deeper than that. That's so good. So, Natalie, before we wrap up this segment, I want um, how can people find your work because it's it's valuable. Couldn't recommend it more. So, tell tell people how they find you. So, my website is natalielu.com. So, Natalie then l u e dot com. I also have like my podcast, which is the Baggage Reclaim Sessions, um, which is on all podcast players, and I have hundreds well nearly a couple of thousand articles at baggagereclaim.com as well social media wise the best place to get a hold of me is on instagram where i'm at nat lu n-a-t-l-u-e perfect well natalie thank you so much for the work and from uh one recovering pleaser to another uh, this is incredibly valuable so thank you <laughs> thank you Corey. all right so now that everybody's listened pam um what's you which one which one of the five uh, totally efforting, efforting, efforting totally. I, 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 I just try and I think there's 
all these little tidbits of things that I can do to, um, I don't know, make you happy, make my kids happy. Maybe if I do these things, they won't think that I work so much or, you know, I mean, I'm gone in tax season. So I feel like everything, every moment we have together has to be meaningful. And if I, if I do certain things, it'll be a meaningful, it's just over the top. So, um, relax, be me. And I, I've got to say no to myself, I guess, more than saying no to them, I that's think a, is a lot. That's a fantastic point because I think there's this element of us this, as people that the ultimate goal is how is my yes, yes, and my no, no, and they're authentic. Because mm-hmm. she even made a comment about how um, an inauthentic yes helps no one. True. Right? And so this is about being just more engaged with my own life and standing up and taking care of my needs, my wants my desires Mm -hmm. and seeking them, knowing that I got to then collaborate with those around me to actually make a lot of those happen. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been Passionately Married. Uh, If you like the show, help us out by rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. Also, follow us on Apple Podcasts if you don't already. Um, Your comments help us spread the word and helps others get some conversations and actions they can take place to move their marriage and their life forward. Mm -hmm. Transcripts are available in each of the show notes on the episode's pages. Advertisers, deals, and discounts are also available on each episode's pages at passionatelymarried.net. Please consider supporting those who support the show. Well, wherever you are and however you took some time out to spend it with us, thanks and we'll see you next time.